fuck it. <laughs> I don't have uh, I don't have an intro made, so <laughs> let's just do some wannabe gangster shit real quick. Fuck it. Let's go. Welcome to Nabi, covering sports of all sorts. If there's any breaking news, you know we got the report. Our one and only goal is to make this your podcast resort. Get you your favorite team updates, both on and off of the court. Breaking down everything. NFL, NBA, MMA, not much a soccer fan, but might even cover Team USA. Is KD leaving Golden State? Is Jordan really the GOAT? Is LeBron comfortable in LA? We'll keep the team afloat. If GSP fights Khabib, we fight him toe to toe. While the Fury rematch, who's always gonna go? We'll cover everything and anything you wanna know. Whatever it may be, we'll break it all down on the show. Yo, 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 what is up, everybody? This is Nabi Podcast. I'm your host, Sani Nabi. Um, this is episode 14. I'm gonna apologize really quick. I know it's been like a week since last episode, but um, this last week has been a little rough for me, but we're gonna get right back into it. And uh, we're gonna start the show off with a few quick mentions. One, if you are new to the show and don't already know, Nabi Podcast is on iTunes and Spotify. If you are a user on either platform, please look me up and please subscribe. Two, quick shout out to my sponsor and great friend, longtime friend, Smokey Hash. He makes CBD products from edibles to oils. If you are not familiar with CBD, there are many great benefits from, um, you know, helping with anxiety and helping with depression. And it is also a great recovery method after, uh, you know, hard workouts and um, hard training sessions. Give him a follow right on Instagram at LLC for your CBD products. Smokey, thanks again, brother. Uh, number three. Another quick shout out to my partners at Champs Boxing Club. It is my local boxing gym located in Danbury, Connecticut. The address is 128 East Liberty Street. If you are, you know, looking for a dope-ass boxing gym to come train at, great environment, great people, um, the equipment top of the line, the number of USA training, um, USA certified trainers, I mean. And, um, yeah, they got it all over there. Affordable, the classes they provide, dope as fuck. Come by. Come by, give it a shot. Always welcome. All levels welcome. Youth, adult, doesn't does not matter. Keep on coming. Let's go. Um, all right. <laughs> this is episode 14, and this is going to be the UFC 240 Holloway versus Edgar preview and breakdown. So we're going to get right into it like usual. I'm going to uh, go down the card, and we are going to break down um, the whole main card and one prelim fight. I was going to break down, you know, like I usually do, break down two prelim fights, but this card is not that stacked. So, um, I only picked one to do, but we'll get right into it anyways. Alright, we're gonna go right down the card. The main event is the featherweight title bout between Max Holloway taking on Frankie Edgar. Max is 24, uh, sorry, 24 and 0. And Frankie Edgar is 23, 6 and 1. The co-main event is a woman's featherweight bout. It is Chris Cyborg, 22 and 0. One no contest, taking on Felicia Spencer, who is 7 and 0 undefeated. Uh, before that, it is a welterweight bout between Jeff Hansen-Steel Neal, who is 11-2-0, taking on Nico the Hybrid Price, who is 13-2-0 with one no contest. Before that, it's a lightweight bout between Olivier Aubin Mercier, who is 11-4-0, taking on Armin Saryukyan. I 
probably fucked that up, but Armin, <laughs> he is 13-2-0, and to start off the main card, it is a metalweight bout between Marc-Andre Barriolt, who is 11-2-0, taking on Christophe Jatko, who is 24-0. On the uh, prelim card, the, um, the featured bout is a woman's flyweight bout between Alexis Davis, 19-9-0, taking on Vivian Aruzo, who is 7-1-0. Before that, it is a featherweight bout between Hakim Duwadu, who is 9-1-1, taking on Yoshinori Hori, who is 8-1-0. Um, before that, it is a featherweight bout between Gavin Tucker, who is 10-1-0, taking on Choi Seong-woo, who is 7-2-0. Uh, kicking off the prelims, it is a flyweight bout between Alejandro Pantoja, who is 21-3-0, take one, ah, uh, take one, what the fuck, taking on Davison Figueredeo, <laughs> said that one too quick, Figure, Figure, Figueredo, huh, yeah, alright, Davison Figueredo, <laughs> that's actually the prelim fight that I'm gonna break down, and I'm reading the notes, and, uh, yeah, I jumped into that one way too quick, but um, on the early prelim card, the feature prelim bout on that is a woman's flyweight bout between Jillian Roberts, who is 6-3-0, taking on Sarah Froda, who is 9-1-0. Before that is a welterweight bout between Eric Coach, 15-6-0, taking on uh, Kyle Stewart, who is 11-2-0. And um, there was a heavyweight bout on the card that was supposed to be Tanner Bozer, 16-5-1, taking on... Uh, Giacomo Lemos 6-0-0 but that fight was cancelled um, I'm not really sure what happened but it was announced this morning but um, yeah so you know as usual I break down two prelim fights I'm looking most forward to but like I said earlier this uh, you know this card is not that stacked and I, you know I'm just going to do one that really stands out to me I wanted to break down the uh, Hakim Duwadu versus Yoshinori Hori fight but I can't really find enough tape on uh, Hori to really, you know, detail my breakdown like I would really like to. But um, with that said, the main prelim fight I'm looking most forward to is the flyweight bout between Alexandre Pantoja, uh, Pantoja versus uh, <laughs> versus Davison Figueredo. Uh, we're gonna go right into the last three fights for um, Alexandre Pantoja. The last three, he's on a three-fight win streak. Last fight was against Wilson Hayes. He won that fight by KO in round one, and that was in April early this year. In 2019. Before that, he fought Oka Sasaki. He won that fight by submission with a rear naked choke in round one, and that was in November of 2018. Before that, he fought Brandon Moreno. He won that fight by a unanimous decision, and that was in May 2018. And going to the last three fights for Davison Figueredo, he um, he went undefeated 15-0 up until his last fight, which was against UCA Formiga, and he lost that fight, obviously, by unanimous decision. And that was in March early this year in 2019. For that, he fought John Moraga. He won that fight via TKO in round two. And that was in August 2018. Before that, he fought Joseph Morales. And he won that in uh, by TKO in round two as well. And that was in February of 2018. All right. We're going to get right into the uh, keys and thoughts for each fighter. And uh, we're going to start with Davison. So um, from watching Alexandre's last fight against Wilson Hayes, it seems that Alexandre is a, a very flat-footed and um, a very flat-footed fighter. And recently in his UFC career, at least, you know what I mean, in his UFC career, he, he relies on his submission game 
um, besides his last fight against Wilson Hayes, of course, because he won that fight by KO. The uh, flat-footed style works against, you know, I mean, fighters like Hayes, who is consistently moving his fucking head left and right and moving his feet, but literally not throwing anything while he's fucking moving. He just moves and, like, thinks he's fucking doing something. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So Alexandre doesn't have to really worry about Wilson ever, like, rushing in, you know what I mean, um, and uh, shooting in, like, randomly and, uh, you know, and could just throw counter strikes off of whatever Wilson throws. He only throws two strikes at a time. And um, that's exactly what happened. Hayes was just moving side to side, throwing fakes. Uh, even throwing fakes with the jab, you know, feints and shit. And did nothing at all. And Alexandre, all, all Alexandre did was just throw a fucking straight right down the middle. And finished Hayes very fucking easily in that first round. This fight, Davison, um, you know what I mean, cannot... Um, Oh, shit, I lost my place. My bad. Davison cannot and more than likely will not be the one waiting to throw strikes. Um, you know, he is a counterpuncher, but after losing the last fight, you know what I mean, he might come in very aggressive. And he already is the very, uh, you know, a very aggressive striker. And like I said, very good with his quick counter-striking ability. Hayes is not really that great of a striker in all honesty. And, you know I mean, that's why Alexandre only had to throw that one fucking straight while, um, you know, I mean, Hayes was trying to do all that movement bullshit for nothing. Uh, Davison needs to be the one who is in Alexandre's face all fucking fight and needs to be the one to throw first and time those counters every time Alexandre throws his shots. If you watch Alexandre's fight with Olga Sasaki, you see Alexandre get walked down right from the beginning of the fucking fight with strikes. You know what I mean? Olga was the much more faster fighter, and you saw it right away, and every time Alexandre tried to throw a counter in between Olka's strikes in the beginning sequence, um, he was way too slow to land a fucking good strike, uh, or a good counter, and Olka was able to just back him up with the pressure, um, you know, of the forward strikes, and just got Alexandre down on his back in, like, the first 10 seconds, which really shows to me that he does not do well under pressure against the better strikers who move forward, and that's exactly what Davison is all about and needs to be the aggressor of this fight. And, um, you know, needs to be the one pushing forward and make Alexandre both nervous to throw strikes and make him, you know, uncomfortable while uh, while making him fight backwards. Um, second key, we saw uh, we saw in Davison's last fight that his gas tank is not the greatest. You know what I mean? He's only gone to the, uh, to the distance three times in his career. First time was early in his career, I believe his fourth fight. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I couldn't really find that fight because it was so early, but the other two was in the UFC, one being against Jared Brooks, um, I think that was his second or third fight in the UFC, but, you know, Davison won that fight um, by split decision, and um, the other being his last fight against Formiga, yeah, that he lost, but in both of those fights, you clearly see Davison significantly slow down after, like, a round and a half, especially in the fight with Juicier, because Davison was taken down three times and was just forced to carry Formiga's weight throughout the fight, and, uh, you know, I mean, with tired, with tired arms like that, trying to carry someone's weight, you know, I mean, he was only able to throw just like one or two big power shots at a time that, uh, you know, I mean, Formiga was able to see from a fucking mile away because he was so fucking tired and um, he was able, he was either able to see it or just get right out of the fucking way and get right underneath and shoot for those takedowns. Um, this fight, I have no doubt he's, you know, he's worked, he's worked on his cardio but anyone who has trained or, you know, or just fights in general knows that cardio is the hardest trait to master. And, um, you know, I mean, you don't just get better at cardio quick. You know, it's years upon years of intense cardiovascular training. But, um, you know, regardless, 
Um, I think and I hope Davidson will come into this fight with the mindset of picking his shots. You know, like I said, he needs to be the aggressor and be first, but that doesn't mean he, you know, he should throw wild and blitzing flurries. You know, throw one to three strikes at a time every time. You know what I mean? Every time you have him backing up, but don't get predictable with the fucking shots, you know? Mix it up to the body and to the head. Grappling shouldn't really be a factor this fight as Davidson's best trait, you know, is his heavy hand. So keeping it on the feet as much as possible is going to be the best thing to do for him. Um, even if Alexandre gets dropped, Davison, I would say, you know, just let the fucking ref let him get back up, you know, and then just pick him apart all over again. Um, Alright, going into the thoughts and keys for Alexandre Pantoja. Um, there's only really one main key, uh, you know, and thought for, for, this, for this style of matchup. Um, as I stated in Davison's keys, Davison is a very heavy-handed fighter. Alexandre Pantoja's stats show that he lands almost four, like 4.5 significant strikes a minute, but he should not look to throw high volume shots in this fight, which, you know, what I mean, could mean that he could, um, uh, you know, leave himself open for a counter because he would have to get close to Davison and stay in front of him, you know, for decent amounts of time to land that many strikes, you know, and hope that, um, you know, Davison misses on his counter attempt. Uh, I don't think that's a smart thing to do because all it takes is one shot for Davison to change the momentum of any fight. Um, you know, as as we've seen in um, past um, past fights of his, Panchoja needs to make this a drag-on fight and bait Davison to throw those heavy hands and use the forward lunging momentum that he has on those heavy strikes, get underneath and secure that fucking takedown. But with Davison being a southpaw and uh, Pantoja being orthodox, he needs to watch for that left uppercut when shooting in for those takedowns. Uh, as it's shown that, you know what I mean, Davison loves those fucking uppercuts and he throws them shits from the fucking hip. Uh, also, with Davison's last fight being, you know, the only fight that he lost in his career, like I said, he's probably going to come into this fight very fucking motivated, looking for the finish. Uh, you know, Pantoja needs to use that aggressiveness to his advantage. And, uh, you know, don't get suckered in into, uh, you know, engaging shot for shot because you're not going to fucking win that fight. Davison usually waits for his opponents to come in, you know, to land the counters. But this fight, Pantoja needs to, um, you know, make Davison chase him down. Get Davison aggravated by not getting tricked into the fucking style, you know. And um, when he comes forward, use the fucking jab to get out of the way. Or, you know what I mean, again, go for the fucking takedown when he rushes in, you know what I mean. Uh, or when he rushes forward, all agitated and shit, pretty much, you know, do what you can to uh, use the aggressive, uh, the aggressive momentum of Davison to get the fight on the fucking ground. When attempting the takedowns, though, do not engage in a clinch battle with Davison because he is very good in the clinch with his knees, like very quick and sharp. Um, I have not seen that from Pantoja in um, the fight that I've seen, you know, so I don't think it'll be a good decision to fight him in the clinch. Uh, you know, when going for takedowns or just fighting in the clinch in general. Uh, when going for the takedown, shoot to get the arms around the fucking waist and either get him up, up against the fence and start working for the takedown or attempt to drag him down right from the beginning of that shot. The uh, only thing is uh, Davison's takedown defense is almost at 50%, and that sounds like it's, uh, you know, it's not great, but that stat is mainly because of his fight with Jared Brooks where he got taken down seven times in that fight, you know what I mean? Before that fight, his takedown defense was much higher. Brooks is a uh, wrestling-based fighter, so, you know what I mean, that was his game. Pantoja doesn't even average a full takedown a fight, so this will definitely not be easy to do, but he's going to need to win this fucking fight by doing that because he's, he's not going to win the striking battle, in my opinion, so he needs to do everything he can to get this fucking fight on the ground with takedowns and control the fight on the ground as long as he fucking can. But, 
if he does decide to try and go for strike for strike, then he needs to take advantage of some holes of Davidson's striking game, you know what I mean? And the main one being how he keeps his fucking left hand way fucking down at all times. Uh, like I said, he's a southpaw and sometimes switches stances to orthodox, but, you know, stays mainly in southpaw for majority of the fight. With that being said, if Pantoja decides to do that fucking striking bullshit and tries to outstrike him, which is fucking stupid, <laughs> he needs to fucking, you know what I mean, time that overhand right every time Davison gets close with his goddamn left hand, like, damn near touching the fucking ground, uh, which is fucking just about all fucking fight. Time the motherfucking overhand and throw the right head kicks as well. Just all in all, you know what I mean? Take advantage of the left being down, but after you throw that fucking strike, get the fuck out of the goddamn way, because Davison, 90% guarantee, will throw his power counter shot right after. But, um, you know, also going back to Davison's gas tank issues, beat the body up too with front kicks too. Every time he gets close, tire him the fuck out with those body kicks. Or, you know what I mean? Do like Formiga did, if you could take him down, tire him out that way, make him carry your fucking weight. But, you know, chances are it's going to be a lot harder to get the takedown than Formiga, you know what I mean? Um, so, beat that fucking body up with front kicks every time he blitzes in, you know? Every time he, like, uh, tries to go in quickly with those, like, rapid shots, throw those motherfucking kicks right up the middle. But, main key, do everything you can to get this motherfucking fight on the ground. Uh, my final pick for this fight, though, I'm picking Davison via TKO. Like I said, Pantoja, you know, he looks he looks good against fighters who aren't great strikers, you know what I mean? And um, he looks bad against ones who are great and, um, you know, good at striking and uh, forward pressure. Um, you know, like I said, when in his fight with Oka, he he got pressured and he got outstruck before, you know, he caught Oka slipping with a submission. I cannot see him catching uh, Davison slipping like he did, um, like he did Oka. But, you know what I mean? And um, this being Davison's first fight since his loss to Formiga, I see him being very fucking aggressive, pushing forward, um, you know, being just insanely motivated to get back in the win column with a big finish. Uh, may very well end in the first round. If not, then definitely round two. All right. Like I said, I was only going to do one prelim fight, and that was it. So now we're going to go right into the main card. It is kicking off with a middleweight bout between Christophe Jatko taking on Marc-Andre Barriolt. We're going to go right into the last three fights, starting with Christophe Jatko. He last fought Alain Amedovsky. He won that fight by unanimous decision. That was in April 2019, early this year. Before that, he fought Brad Tavares. He lost. <coughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> he lost that fight via TKO in round three, and that was in April 2018. Before that, he fought Uriah Hall. He lost that fight as well by TKO, and that was in round two in September 2017. Um, going into the last three fights for Mark Andre Barrial, his last fight was against Andrew Sanchez. He lost that fight by unanimous decision. And that was in May 2019, and that was his UFC debut. Before that, he fought Adam Hunter. He won that fight by KO in round one in September 2018. Before that, he fought Brendan Kornberger. <laughs> he won that fight by KO in round two in May 2018. Um, Alright, <laughs> hold on. Give me one second, guys. I need to take a fucking sip of water. Throat's dry. Uh, I'm not getting sick. That would suck. All right, we're going to go right into the keys and thoughts for Christophe Jatko. Number one, he needs to be busy all motherfucking fight. He lost two of his last fights. Um, And the last fight, you know what I mean, which he won, was against a very 
you know what I mean, lesser-known opponent, and um, Jatko's performance was very lackluster in general, you know what I mean? This fight being, you know, another fight against a very lesser-known fighter, he needs to try and make his performance impressive to get back on the right track, and, uh, you know, back in, you know, back on a little winning streak. In the uh, Amidovsky fight, Jatko was being pressured backwards, you know, like he was, you know, the two fights before that, and was forced to fight backwards until Jatko was able to get the takedown, but... You know, I mean, even after the takedown was secured, Amadovsky uh, was able to reverse the position and get the top position and rain down heavy elbows and shots. You know what I mean? This fight needs to be, you know, um, in his control in every aspect of this fucking fight. Uh, do, 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 lost my spot. <laughs> he needs to be the one pressuring forward with the high kicks and uh, the popping jab, you know? He was really nice with the jab when he first came into the UFC and, like, he just you know, just veered away from me, I don't know what the fuck happened, but he needs to keep Burial at the end of his strikes all fight and not allow Burial the chance to get on the inside, you know what I mean, with um, heavy haymakers and shit, Shatko needs to utilize the feints that he usually does, but he needs to actually throw fucking strikes at the end of the feints, in his last few fights, um, he's been very hesitant in throwing off of the fucking feints, more, more than likely because of the two knockouts though, you know, um, I mean, he was getting rocked, in the uh, Brad Tavares fight, and after that, he was like, con I mean, you know what I mean, he got knocked out by Uriah Hall first, I'm sorry, and then the Brad Tavares fight, he was very hesitant, and, you know what I mean, paid for it, and got knocked out again, um, I mean, you know, going into the last fight against Amadovsky, I mean, he was hesitant again, I mean, of course, you know, the fear of getting knocked out is one thing, but going in there with the fear, with fear that, you know what I mean, where it makes you literally not do anything in the fucking fight, that's another thing, you can't go in there like this, he needs to be the one coming forward this fight, it shows that Burial lands 4.5 significant strikes a minute, but he also takes the amount, uh, the same amount of damage himself at 4.6 strikes, so, you know, I mean, the fucker likes to go strike for strike pretty much and just play punchy face, you know, Jaco needs to be the elusive fighter with his strikes and use those feints I mentioned earlier along with the uh, in and out movement, but throw strikes at the end of the feint. Make him absorb those usual 4.6 strikes a minute, but don't allow him to land those 4.5 back, you know what I mean? Um, the second and main key for Jaco, Barry Alt, in his um, last fight, uh, you know, it was a UFC debut, so, you know, the stat sheet on the website, it only has stats from that fight, and it shows his takedown defense, that fight was pretty good at 75%, um, you know, he was still taken down two times, but that was out of eight attempts, you know, it was a pretty good showing in his defense, but I still think Jatko should shoot for takedowns more than he usually does in this fight, um, you know, only say that because Barrialt's fight with Andrew Schultz, uh, he was he was pretty easily taken down with those two successful attempts, and the first takedown was like, I think 20 seconds early in the first round when both fighters were fresh and not tired at all, you know, and he was still not able to stop the takedown. So, you know, I would like to see Jatko, you know, see if he can expose that weakness again in this fight. Um, all right, keys and thoughts for Marc-Andre Barriolt. One, as I said earlier in Jatko's keys to victory, Barriolt likes to, you know, get into those banger matches and just, you know, go shot for shot with his opponent and just not afraid to, uh, you know, get hit, you know, just so he can hit back. Jatko has gotten knocked out big time in his last two and um two of his last three fights. So it's been shown Jatko's ability to take big shots isn't really there as it used to be. Barriot needs to find a way to lure Jatko to him and, you know, land the big shots to the chin and the temple. Land the big shot and that completely la la la. 
Whoa, the fuck? Was that a glitch? <laughs> Land the big shots that completely shuts his fucking brain down and, you know what I mean, get that knockout finish. Jatko has very good takedown defense at 87%, so I don't think going for a takedown will really be a big factor for Barrio this fight. You know, because if he does, he will more than likely get reversed and, you know, taken down himself by Jaco's defense. Um, two. What the fuck's wrong with this fucking mouse? Oh. I need to get a new mouse, apparently. All right. <laughs> All right. Number two for Barrio. If you watch uh, Jaco's fight against Brad Tavares, where Jaco got knocked out, you can see that the main thing that Brad did very well was not bite on Jaco's feints. Like I said, Jaco. Um, he, th he doesn't throw off of the feints like he should, or, you know, once did. And once Brad realized that, he said, fuck it, and just started throwing jabs right over Jatko's hands, and even straight rights, right down the middle, even while Jatko was using the feints, and was landing just about every time. Brad didn't feel any pressure, or, um, you know what I mean, any threat from those feints, and once he saw that, he was just punching right through them, and just went right down the middle, and that's what Barrialt needs to do. He needs to be a bully and push Jatko back with big shots down the middle and don't give two fucks about his feints. You know what I mean? Because, again, he doesn't seem to fucking throw anything off of them in his recent fights, you know? Um, you know, get in his face. Take some risks. You got to take some risks. Don't even, you know what I mean, pick and choose the shots. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just fucking throw heavy shots right through the fucking feints and make him fight backwards as, you know what I mean, that's where he isn't at his best. Also... He um he needs to watch out for Jatko's front kicks. Jatko loves throwing those goddamn front kicks all fight. Uh, he never really significantly lands them, you know, like nothing that rocks people. But he does throw them all fight, so he does need to watch out for them. This could be the fight that, you know, that she could fucking land significantly. <laughs> Number three, um, Jatko is a southpaw. And, you know, when he isn't being light on his feet with his movement, he is very heavy on his lead, uh, right leg. Every time Barrio sees Jatko stop the movement and plants on that lead leg, he needs to completely chop that fucking leg up with uh, leg kicks. If he can utilize a decent amount of leg kicks, he can most certainly fuck up the movement and the uh, faint attempts of Jatko. In um, Jatko's fight against Brad Tavares, Brad was, you know, he was pushing, he was getting pushed back a few times by Jatko. And every time um, he was getting pushed back, Jaco got, you know, close enough and Brad would just completely chop Jaco's legs down. And, you know, I mean, I think he um, I think he even uh, knocked him on his ass with one of them. But, um, yeah, he's, you know, not known as, uh, you know, a fighter that could check the leg kicks. But Brad de definitely showed that he fucking he eats them shits. But, um, all right, going into my final pick for that fight, I'm going with Jaco via unanimous decision. Um, you know, kind of like Jatko's last fight, like I said, this is a lower level competition fight, you know, when compared to, uh, opponents like, you know, Uriah Hall and Brad Tavares, uh, this should be a fairly easy of a matchup, you know, a fairly easy win in my opinion, but, you know, Jaco has shown to get careless and caught, so anything can fucking happen, but I'd like to believe that Jaco will win this fight and, you know, you know, it probably have a pretty boring showing, but he will still probably each, uh, win each round and um pretty easily uh all right going into the next fight it is a lightweight bout between olivier albin mercier taking on armin saryakan uh we're gonna go into the last three fights starting with olivier albin mercier uh last fight was against gilbert burns he lost that fight by unanimous decision that was in december 2018 before that he fought alexander hernandez he lost that fight by unanimous decision as well and that was in july 2018 
Before that, he fought Evan Dunham. He won that fight by TKO in round one, and that was in April 2018. Um, going into the last three fights for Armin Sakuran, uh, last fight was against Islam Makachev. He won. Uh, oh, sorry, he lost that fight by unanimous decision. That was early this year in April 2019, and that was a UFC debut, I believe. Before that, he fought Felipe Olivieri, and he won that fight by KO in round three in August 2018. Before that. He fought uh, Junior Asuncao. He won that fight by unanimous decision in May 2018. All right, we're going to go into the keys and thoughts of this fight. Um, so this fight will be very straightforward. So honestly, I'm just going to do one quick main key for each fighter, uh, starting with Armin Sakuran. Um, as we've seen in just about every fight that Mercier has been in, you know, he's a very pretty boring and uh, bland fighter. He, you know, he does dominate some fights, but not in, like, a vicious kind of way, you know. He just dominates with, like, control. He moves forward, but, like, not aggressively, and um, he just attacks. He just attacks the takedowns, and uh, just about all fight, he attacks the takedown. The majority of the rounds, he tries to get the fight to the ground, control it down there, and, um, you know, try to get the back, <laughs> pretty much. This is uh, Armin's second fight in the UFC, so I only, you know, I only had his debut, you know, that I could watch against Islam, so I didn't really have much to break down. But from what I've seen in his debut against a you know a great wrestler like Islam Makachev, he has pretty good takedown defense along with um, good takedown ability. You know, because um, he took um, Islam down I think two times. I'm not sure if they counted because Islam got right back up. But you know, I mean, he was still able to get him on his butt a few times. Uh, I could see this fight being insanely boring though, and just turns out to be a fucking grappling contest all fight. And you know, Armin will have to make sure his grappling ability is top notch because I think Mercier has a uh, like a better power grappling ability than Makachev. You know, uh, so if he can not only stop Mercier's takedown attempts, he also needs to get some takedowns himself, which will win him this fight. I don't see either guy knocking the other out. You know, what I mean, I like I said. I see this being a very straightforward wrestling match. In the debut match against Makachev, there was a lot of fighting in the clinch and, um, you know, fighting for position as well. That's fine. You know, that's fine to do. But he cannot get pushed up against the fence when in that clinch and, you know, allow uh, Alban to start working that takedown in. He needs to overpower Mercier in the clinch and, uh, you know, try to land knees in it while pushing Mercier up against the fence, um, you know, or try to drag him down himself. Uh, Alex Hernandez had great success against Mercier because, you know, um, he outpressured him and moved out of the way every single time with his footwork anytime Mercier tried to shoot for a takedown, you know. Um, I mean, granted, he did get mounted a couple times, but, you know, Alex was able to get up and ended up winning that fight by unanimous decision. But um, seeing Armin's only fight in the UFC, I, you know, I, I, I could, you know, I, I could find it. But, you know, it's it doesn't seem like he has great footwork. You know what I mean? I was trying to look for it, but it doesn't really seem like he has it. So I don't really see him trying to implement that same game plan that Alex did when he fought Mercier. You know what I mean? So um, I see this, like I said, being a grappling exchange from both fighters. Unless um, Armin can time a knee going up the middle when uh, Mercier shoots for a takedown. But I don't see that happening either. All right. Going into the only main key for Olivier Aubin Mercier. Uh, I hate to break this one down as shitty as I'm about to, but there's really no other way to make this one sound great. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't prolong this one at all. Uh, as I said, Mercier is probably one of the most boring fighters on the roster. Uh, no offense to, uh, no, you know, no offense, but it is what it is. He knocked out Evan Dunham, but I mean, come on. 
Who cares? <laughs> every other fight, you know, every other fight, his game plan has always been the same. Pressure, get the opponent up against the fence, drag the fight to the floor, and either get on top or, you know, ride the opponent's back every fucking round. And I don't see his game plan changing for this fight. You know what I mean? I really haven't seen him evolve much, and I, you know, I, I don't see it happening this fight either. Uh, this fight, honestly, you know, probably should have been the featured prelim bout, you know, but this card, you know, like I said, is not the most stacked, so, you know, whatever. But, honestly, that usually means the card will be a sleeper, usually when I say that, but, you know, who knows, maybe there will be a lot of good fights, but, um, you know, at the end of it all, I don't see this fight being one of the best fights on the card. But, uh, yeah, Mercier, um, he needs to take this fight to the fucking ground and do what he does, which is, you know, make it a fucking snooze fest. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you know what I mean? Win it out in that little grinding style that he does. And, you know, I'll probably go use the bathroom or something. But um, my final pick for that fight, I'm going with uh, Mercier by a very boring unanimous decision. Um, you know, again, simply put, this will probably be one of the worst fights on the card <laughs> with a not with not a lot of action, but I've been going for takedown after takedown and, you know, staying in control on the ground and uh, just winning the unanimous decision or maybe a submission down there, you know, with a rear naked choke or something. But I see a decision uh, more than I see a submission. Um, all right. I don't know why the fuck the beat just like got mad fucking loud. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to edit that shit lower later. Anyways, um, alright, going into the next fights, it is a welterweight bout between Jeffrey Neal taking on Nico Price. I can't wait for this fucking fight. This fight is gonna be fucking dope. I love both of these fighters. They're fucking dope. These motherfuckers go into fight every fucking time. If you haven't seen either of them, I suggest you pause this and go on YouTube and look up both of their highlights, cause it's just knockout city. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, all right, going into the last three fights for each, starting with Jeffrey Neal. Uh, last fight was against Bilal Mohammed. He won that fight by unanimous decision Decision <laughs> in uh, January 2019, early this year. Before that, he fought Frank Camacho. Uh, he won that fight by KO in round two in September 2018. Vicious fucking head kick. Savage, savage. Um... Before that, he fought Brian Camozzi. He won that by submission with a rear naked choke in round one. And that was in February 2018. And going into the last three fights for Nico. Uh, his last fight was against Tim, uh, Tim Means. He won that fight by KO in round one. That was in March 2019. Before that, he fought Abdul Razak Hassan. He lost that fight by KO in round one. Got knocked the fuck out. And that was in September 2018. Before that, he fought Randy Brown. He, rude boy, Randy, rude boy, Brown. <laughs> if you haven't seen my earlier episodes when uh, Randy was fighting the other month, you'll, you'll, get, you'll get it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, I, sorry, if you haven't seen it, then you won't get it. But you, if you have seen it, then you get it. But, uh, yeah, Nico, <laughs> Nico fought Randy, rude boy. And uh, he won that fight by KO with a fucking hammer fist from the bottom, which is insane, and uh, that was in round two in July 2018, if you haven't seen that shit, look that shit up, that was the first time I've ever seen someone get knocked out with a hammer fist while being on top, it's fucking ridiculous, but uh, alright, going into the keys and thoughts, starting with Jeffrey Neal, number one, both of these fighters love to trade shots 
and, you know what I mean, just stand up and bang out the whole fucking time on the feet, and, you know what I mean, they'll probably do it all, all this fight, you know, if possible, <laughs> um, it, Nico has insane power in his hands, and it's shown multiple times, but one thing I've noticed is he isn't a counter-striker, you know, he does good when he is the one striking first and being the aggressor, and Neil is the opposite by being, um, you know, an amazing counter-striker, Neil cannot let Nico get going early, you know what I mean, and uh, he has to neutralize, um, you know, his aggression with his own, he cannot let Nico start backing him up, and he cannot, you know what I mean, keep his head right in the center line of Nico's strikes, Jeffrey is great with his counter-striking, and he needs to be very fucking great with it this fight. As I said, Nico isn't a counter-striker, but he will literally just throw shots back every time shots are thrown at him. Um, you know what I mean? Kind of like Francis Ngannou, you know what I mean? And it doesn't matter. It, just throw anything at him, he's going to throw right fucking back, and it's not going to be in a counter for him. You know what I mean? Um, but, uh, yeah, not off of a weave or anything. He's not going to weave or duck or anything. He's just going to fucking either get hit or the punch is going to miss and he's just going to fucking throw right back no matter what. He's just more than willing to take one to give one. And, uh, you know, Jeffrey needs to be ready for that and get out of the way after he throws his own strikes. Uh, he needs to push Nico back, and, you know, with the pressure. And if he gets the fight up against the cage, he needs to be very cautious and pick and choose his power strikes, you know what I mean? Uh, that he throws at Nico while he has him up against the cage. In Nico's fight with Abdul Razak Hassan, he was up against the fence, and Hassan was just throwing wild and crazy fucking strikes. I think this motherfucker closed his eyes while throwing these strikes at one point. But, um, yeah, and he landed a flush right hook-left hook combo that completely slept Nico. But, um, in the blitz, Razak was able to uh, time Nico's attempt at a power right haymaker and got out of the way and, you know, landed those two, um, those two hooks, uh, you know, going back into the blitz and go landing those two hooks, uh, you know, and, and until he knocked Nico completely out. If you watch the fight, uh, if you watch Nico's last fight, uh, he fought Tim Means and he was also up against the cage, but Tim did not get out of the way or even saw Nico's right haymaker coming and got caught with it and got knocked fucking dead. Um, his fucking whole body just went limp, and I believe he broke his fucking ankle because, uh, you know, his leg gave out on him when getting knocked out, and uh, his leg was all folded up. I think he broke his ankle, if I remember correctly, but um, with that said, Jeffrey needs to make sure he watches out for that right hand coming over the top if he gets Nico up against the fence. Can't You cannot get too fucking careless, and you cannot, you know what I mean, like, not pay attention to that. If Neil gets Nico up against the goddamn fence... He needs to throw calculated strikes and always look for Nico's right hand because that's bound to get thrown. And, uh, you know what I mean? And when it does, you should use that to set up the counter off of those rights, you know? Um, number two for Jeffrey, uh, you know, <laughs> Jeffrey has not had one single takedown in his UFC career, which, again, means he is more than willing to just, you know, keep the fight on the feet and just trade all fight. But honestly, against someone like Nico who has insane power in that right hand of his, I think Jeffrey should go for that first takedown of his UFC career this fight. Not saying Jeffrey can't outstrike Nico, because, you know, I mean, he definitely can. Either of these dudes can, you know, but um, either of these dudes could outstrike each other. But I think a better game plan would be to frustrate Nico first by, uh, you know, making it a complete, by, uh, by frustrating him, you know, by uh, making him, uh, what I'm trying to say, my bad. Frustrate him first before making it a complete stand-up brawl. 
<laughs> Nico probably thinks Neil will not go for any great uh, grappling exchanges, and you know Neil has to catch him off guard with a random takedown. Um, you know, what I mean, he needs to catch him off guard with it. Even if you don't secure the fucking takedown, uh, you know, not even if you get the takedown, but don't really secure the control with it. Still, you know, what I mean, try to land a few this fight. If you got to get right back up and get another one right away, fucking try it. Fucking try it. It'll get him thinking, you know. His, uh, Nico's takedown defense is at 66, so he's definitely able to get taken down. Um, get Nico frustrated, get him thinking, and have him worry about the chance of another takedown while throwing strikes. You know what I mean? Again, Nico's best punch is that power right. If Neil could get that timing down of that and get right underneath it for a takedown attempt, it'll be much easier to secure the fucking attempt. You know what I mean? Uh, using, uh, Nico's forward momentum off of that power right. Regardless, surprise him. Surprise me, surprise the fucking fans with a few takedowns if you can. <laughs> Number three, if you get Nico hurt, don't get fucking reckless and try to go for the kill right away. Like I said earlier, it's shown how tough Nico is, as we've seen in the fight with Tim Means. Um, he was getting cracked with really good shots and mean motherfucking strikes. All pun intended. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, Nico was getting hit with really good shots and even stumbled back a few times, but was able to keep the composure when um, rocked and was able to shake it off and, um, you know, get the comeback knockout while his back was up against the fence, you know, like I said earlier, which shows you can never count him out and you cannot get caught being flat-footed against someone like him. You have to, you know, stay on the move and never stay right in front of a fighter like Nico. Going into the keys and thoughts for Nico, though, uh, number one, like I said, in Neil's keys to victory, he is a very good counter striker, especially with him being a southpaw. He does very well countering against orthodox fighters. Um, he's very technical with his strikes and never keeps his hands down after throwing strikes, even when he starts gassing out a little bit. He's always got his fucking hands right back up to guard and his hands are always up, uh, you know, in case counters come. But with that said, Nico, uh, Nico needs to utilize leg kicks every time Neil gets close. Countering punches is one thing, but you can't really counter leg kicks unless you check them, you know what I mean? Neil lands almost fucking seven significant strikes a minute, and Nico only lands little under three. This fight, Nico needs to try to outvolume Neil and, uh, you know, not let Neil back him down and, um, you know what I mean, make this Nico's pace. You cannot let, um, Nico needs to make this his pace, uh, this fight his pace. He cannot let... Neil dictate the pace. That's what I meant to say. My bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, Nico needs to make make it his pace. Of, uh, make it his pace, and uh, which is wild and crazy. You know, uh, I know Nico will trade with anyone, but if this is the one time he comes in a little cautious, and you know doesn't outvolume Neil both with strikes and pressure, then this will the fight. This will be the fight that he will start losing ASAP once that starts happening. You know what I mean? Uh, he has to be first, he has to be the one landing the more heavier strikes, but get right out of the goddamn way, right after the fucking strikes are thrown, you know what I mean, anticipating that counter straight left that Neil, you know what I mean, that's his best punch, you can almost guarantee that counter straight left is gonna come, uh, number two key for Nico, Nico needs to get the center of the octagon and stay there, every time Neil throws punches, it's always more than two strikes at a time, you know what I mean, like I said, he, he averages almost seven a fucking minute, it's crazy, Every time Neil blitzes in with those strikes, don't make it a brawl. Get out of the way and get right back into the center and start throwing strikes again. You know what I mean? In uh, Neil's fight with Bilal, 
it, it is shown that Neil leaves himself very fucking open for body shots. Whether it be body kicks or punches, Bilal's best shots all fight were to the body, especially the punches. Nico needs to expose that hole in his game and tear that fucking body up. Tear it up, and then when Neil starts expecting the body kicks, throw the kick up top. More times than not, um, Neil's hands will be up, you know what I mean? Even in his fight with Bilal, he was getting tore up in the body, and his hands were, like, just up still. He was not going down to block, um, you know what I mean? But you can always try to trick him. Maybe this fight he will go down, and, um, you know, if he does put the guard down, perfect time to throw the kick up top. But you have to beat the fucking body up first. That's a, that's, that has to be a big factor, I believe. Um, number three, going to the, going back to the body shots, Neil has shown to only throw head strikes, honestly. In his last four fights that I've watched, personally, I haven't seen him attack the body at all, which kind of makes him predictable with the strikes, you know what I mean, in the sense of the punches he throws, or, um, you know, where he targets at least. But, because of how fast he is when he throws those strikes, you know, it's hard to see coming. But, easier to predict where he's gonna hit you, though, you know what I mean? Um... When you think about what strikes are coming, it's pretty predictable when it comes to that. He loves the 1-2, and he loves the 1-2-3 combos. Those are his, like, two favorite combos. He also, um, he throws very nice left head kicks also, like, very sneaky, so he does have to watch out for that. But, like I said, he never throws it to the body. He has a really nice left kick, but he never throws it to the fucking body. Nico needs to be very aware of those head strikes and be super, like, super aware of uh, the straight left because that's his favorite punch. Um, if he can out-volume Neil and just stay away from the combos and, uh, you know, just not leave himself open to get countered, he can definitely pull this one off. Uh, I don't, I really honestly don't see this fight going past two rounds, though. But, you know, if it does... It'll have to be, um, you know, it'll it'll have to be a, a, a slow, boring fight. I don't. I, there's no fucking way this fight's gonna go past two fucking rounds. Um, if Nico does win this fight, it'll probably be, um, you know, off of a brawling sequence, you know. But uh, my final pick for this fight, though, I, I honestly don't fucking know. I love both fighters, and this fight is honestly the most, the you know, the most anticipated fight that I'm looking forward to, you know, in my personal opinion on the whole card. Uh, but if I were to pick, and if I have to pick, I have to go with Neil. I believe he's the uh, much more technical striker, and, you know, he just, those counter strikes. Nico is wild, and I think he will probably get caught with a nice uh, counter left. As soon as he gets a little too crazy, I feel like that counter left is going to come right in, and it's going to clip him. And, um, you know what I mean? If not, he's, I don't think he'll get knocked out right away from that one shot, but it'll rock him, which will, you know, set up the TKO finish from then on. Uh... If it goes a full distance, though, which I don't think it will, but um, if it does, if it does, if it does, more than likely will definitely be in favor of Neil also. But um, all right, going into the co-main event, it is a woman's featherweight bout between Chris Cyborg taking on Felicia Spencer. Uh, going into the last three fights for each fighter, starting with Cyborg, she fought Amanda Nunes. She lost that fight by KO in round one, and that was in December 2018. Uh, before that, she fought Yana uh, Kunitskaya. She won that fight by KO in round one, and that was in March 2018. Before that, she fought Holly Holm, won that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in December 2017. Um, for Felicia Spencer, her last three fights, she fought Megan Anderson in her UFC debut. 
won that fight with a submission with a rear naked choke in round one. And that was in May 19th, uh, May, sorry, May 2019, early this year. Before that, she fought Pam Sorensen. She won that fight by submission with a rear naked choke in round four. And that was in November 2018. Before that, she fought Helena Kolinsnik. Kolesnik, my bad. <laughs> uh, she won that fight by submission with another rear naked choke in round two. And that was in July 2018. All right. Going right into the uh, key and thought. Only got one for each fighter because, you know, I mean, this fight, I, I think, is pretty predictable. Um, Starting with Felicia Spencer, this will be, you know, this will be a very simple one. And uh, <laughs> will probably be the same as uh, every other breakdown um, that I have for, you know, either of these fighters. They, they have, you know, they're great at one specific thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, simply put, she needs to somehow get this fucking fight underground. There's no possible way that she outstrikes Cyborg. There's no goddamn way. She needs to fight smart, and her head movement also needs to be on point this fight. And she needs to try to secure takedowns off of Cyborg's winging shots. Um, as I always like to say, like using the striker's momentum against them when they come in with crazy strikes, like forward lunging strikes, makes takedowns a lot easier to get, you know? Um, and we all know that Cyborg probably will come in crazy because she wants to get right back in that win column and um, get this big finish after getting knocked out by Nunes and losing her title last fight. So, with that said, Alicia, uh, Alicia, Felicia, <laughs> Felicia needs to make this a grappling contest, you know what I mean? No fucking striking, do not fucking strike with Cyborg, that's just fucking retarded. Um, and, you know, shoot for the fucking takedown every goddamn, every goddamn time, every goddamn time you see an opening. Fucking open, just shoot for every fucking chance you get. And her fight with Megan Anderson before she got the finish and um, uh, the, the submission finish, she was getting popped with very big straight punches. Whether it was left uh, left punches or right punches, she was getting caught with both like over and over and she had nothing for it. She had no head movement or nothing until she wrapped Megan up, pushed her up against the fence and, you know, started to work for the takedown. Um, it seems very fucking unlikely that Felicia will, um, you know, outpower Cyborg, but she has to take a chance and she has to try to do what she did to, um, oh shit, I think I'm about to sneeze, hold up, oh, I think I'm good, alright, I think I'm good, she has to do what, <laughs> she has to do exactly what she did to, um, to Megan and, you know, get her up against the fence, take her down, get her back, and try to submit her, you know, um, if she can manage to get the fucking fight to the ground in the first round, I think she should try and tie her cyborg out a little bit by having her carry Felicia, uh, by having her carry her weight all around. And then in the second round, go for the takedown again, but then really, really be aggressive when attacking the submission after. But um, yeah, for Felicia, honestly, that's pretty much the main key, you know? <laughs> you can't really think of another one. But um, yeah, that's the only one I got for Felicia, and I also have only one for cyborg, which is, again... Really only one main thing for each fighter. And for Cyborg, go for the motherfucking kill right away, right from the fucking beginning. Felicia will not try to go strike for strike, you know what I mean? And will be insanely cautious on the feet. She will probably, you know, uh, more than likely attempt more takedown shots than, you know, strikes thrown in general. Cyborg, just she just needs to watch for that takedown attempt. But I honestly can't see Felicia getting one this fight because Cyborg is strong as fuck. I... I think it's a four inch height advantage as well, like uh three or four inch height advantage. Um, you know, 
I see Cyborg being really fucking strong this fight and uh, just pushing her off. But I really don't see this fight going past the first round also, you know. Cyborg needs to come in very aggressive and throw those fucking heavy strikes right from the fucking start. Like I said earlier in Felicia's fight with Megan, she was getting popped. Popped. I'm using my pop filter. I'm trying to see how it sounds. <laughs> um, yeah, she got popped over and over with straight fucking power shots until she got to finish. You know what I mean? And if that was Cyborg that was throwing those goddamn punches, Felicia would have been out cold. You know what I mean? 100%. I see that happening this fight. You know, she will, you know, I think she will end up getting caught. And, you know, we just need to see how she can take a punch from someone like Cyborg. If she can keep her composure and, you know, attack the takedown as soon as she gets rocked, um, that'd be great. But I don't see that happening. You know, she needs to do that as soon as Cyborg gets too close. But it's hard for me to see that shit happening. As soon as Felicia goes in, um, goes in for an attempt, I think Cyborg needs to meet her in the middle with that fucking knee going straight up the fucking middle or an uppercut. But, you know... Simply put, I, I, I don't see Cyborg having uh, any issues with this fight at all, which <laughs> goes into my final pick. You know, not a surprise. I'm going with Cyborg via KO in round one. Uh, very simply put, I think Cyborg will be way too much for Felicia to handle. If you look at Felicia's resume of the fighters she fought, they're, none of them are on the level or even close to the fucking level as Cyborg. Um... This is going to be the biggest step up in competition for her. And I think the moment she gets hit with that power shot, she will more than likely crumble and, um, you know, get finished right after. Um, all right. Going into the main event, it is the featherweight championship bout between Max Holloway taking on Frankie Edgar. This is like the third time this fight was scheduled and it is finally happening. So let's fucking go. Um, going into the last three fights, starting with Frankie Edgar. His last fight, he fought Cub Swanson. Won that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in April 2018. Before that, he fought Brian Ortega. That was when he was supposed to fight um, Max Holloway, but Max pulled out, and um, Brian Ortega took the fight. Frankie actually lost that fight, though, by KO in round one, and that was in March 2018. Before that, Frankie fought Yair Rodriguez. He won that fight by TKO in round two in May 2017. Uh, going into the last three fights for Max... His last fight was against Dustin Poirier, and he lost that fight by unanimous decision, and that was in April 2019. Uh, that was Max's lightweight debut for the interim lightweight title, but, you know, of course, for this fight, he's going back to um, featherweight to defend his belt. But before that fight, he fought Brian Ortega, where he defended his belt. He uh, won that fight by TKO in round four, and that was in December 2018. Before that, he fought Jose Aldo. Won that fight by TKO in round three in December 2017. Alright, going into the keys and thoughts, we're going to start with Frankie Edgar. Alright, so as, you know, as it usually is, Frankie is coming in with the height disadvantage. You know what I mean? As it usually always goes. Uh, and, this and this fight, it's a five-inch height disadvantage. Uh, both fighters have almost the same reach, but... You know, Max does have the advantage with one inch. You know, it seems like, uh, you know, a lot more of a difference when you look at the two. But that's mainly because Max uh, Max fights with a much wider and much longer stance, you know, which makes it look like the uh, reach is a lot more than what it is. Um, Frankie needs to get on the inside 
of that wide stance. He needs to use that footwork, that in-and-out movement, that relentless movement. Um, you know what I mean? Oh, my bad. I thought someone was knocking on the door. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he needs to use that footwork that he's amazing at, and he needs to get on the inside with quick motions and throw combos and get right the fuck back out. And then circle out and then attempt it all again. Um, you know, you cannot beat Max unless you outvalue Max. You know what I mean? Just like how Poirier did. And um, as a matter of fact, Poirier didn't even outvalue him. Uh, he, I think he honestly won because he landed the harder strikes. The uh, the total strikes were actually a lot closer than um, you know it seemed when you watch it live. But um, but if Frankie wants to win this fight, he needs to outvalue Max. Um, and if anybody can outvalue Max, it could be Frankie. Uh, Frankie's cardio has never ever seemed to be a problem and has never seemed to slow down So I don't see that being an issue in this fight for him either never has been you know um, He needs to completely overwhelm Max with the movement and the in and out footwork He cannot get caught being stuck in the mud, you know, what I mean and uh, you know Just get caught right in front of Max because then Max will just tee off with combos and counter strikes Edgar, you know, what I mean uh, he cannot give Max the opportunity to counter. He cannot. Once Frankie gets on the inside, lands those two, three strikes, he needs to get the fuck back out and circle out that position and do it again. Uh, number two for Frankie. In his past fights, Max has shown that he isn't the greatest with checking leg kicks. He, um, I mean, he, he eats them and tries to play it off, you know what I mean? Trying to, like, shrug it off and, um, you know, calls his opponent forward. Like, the, you know, like they didn't affect him, but leg kicks are fucking leg kicks, and they will fucking hurt. <laughs> and uh, they will slow you down if enough is thrown and landed. Uh, Frankie needs to utilize those fucking leg kicks every goddamn round. Chances are uh, he will not outstrike Max with the hands, but he can definitely slow him down a bit and land a lot more leg kicks than him. Um, when getting on the inside with the footwork and, uh, you know, the... Um, and, uh, you know, throw the combos with the hands. He needs to end those combos with leg kicks. Uh, all right, number three for Edgar. Uh, I can't see Edgar winning this fight with a finish. I, You know, I see it. If he wins, it'll be by a decision. So he needs to win with that relentless pressure, like I was saying earlier. He needs to win um, pretty much every round with that pressure and that, um, not even pressure, but that in and out movement. You know what I mean? Um and, uh, do, 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 do. lost my spot. Jesus Christ, where the fuck did shit go? Oh, my bad. He just needs to win this fucking fight by being the uh, great all-around fighter that he is, which includes securing at least one takedown around. Um, Max is shown to have incredible takedown defense, but if Frankie could throw Benson Henderson's big ass to the ground at lightweight then he should be able to secure a few takedowns in this fight against Max. And I could definitely see it happening. If he does, he needs to make sure, you know what I mean, that he has the fucking control down there when it ha when he gets it. Um, for at least a minute at a time, you know what I mean? Before Max fights his way back to the feet, which will more than likely happen. Like I said, his defense is really good and his ability to get right back up is very good. Um... And if it happens, just stick to the fucking game plan and keep outvaluing Max with the fucking leg kicks and the combos of punches on the inside and go back to securing a takedown. You know what I mean? You have to be relentless. Um, Alright, going into the uh, three keys for Max. One, 
Max has to do what he does and um hold on. Shit's on the wrong page and shit. So overlapping. My bad. Max has to do what he does and um that's be the one controlling the whole pace of the fight. Even when Frankie is bouncing around with his footwork and movement, Max cannot get baited into going uh, you know, after him too aggressively. He needs to make Frankie play his game and make Frankie go to him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he needs to stalk Frankie and just keep an eye on the movement. And when Frankie tries to get on the inside, Max needs to throw his uh, usual straight shots and, um, you know, like four of them like he usually does and keep Frankie at the end of those punches. With Max being the taller of the two and significantly taller, it should be easier to land the shots when Frankie blitzes in as Max will be throwing, uh, you know, throwing his punches at a downward position, at a downward angle, which makes it a lot easier to land and uh, the shots will be a lot harder. And, um, you know, I mean, it'll keep, it'll also make sure Edgar is kept away from, um, you know, getting on the inside, in, um, in my opinion. Uh, don't get sucked into that fucking movement game that Edgar will play because he will do that shit all fight. Make him come to you, and when he does, throw the strikes and keep him at the end of every fucking punch. You know what I mean? Uh, number two, take the, uh, you know what I mean? Take the first round to get the timing down of Frankie. You know, like I said, his movement is different, you know? Um, this is another five-round fight for Max, but this will be the most well-rounded opponent that he will face in his career. That's what I think, you know? And what makes Frankie so good is how he uh, makes people crumble under pressure as the round, as the, um, as the uh, fight goes on. You know what I mean? Um, because he usually never fucking stops for more than a fucking second, you know? But there is definitely times where he has stopped for a few seconds, and that is where he gets caught with big strikes. Like we saw in his fight with Ortega. Um, the moment he stopped the relentless movement, he just, and just stood right in front of Ortega, he just, you know what I mean, just like froze up and just got caught with a fucking uppercut from hell that just put him away. Granted, Frankie was, you know, a little rock from a few shots before that, uh, ending uppercut shot, but regardless, he should've, you know what I mean, he should've kept his composure and circled away, you know, and get right back into the center or fight for a fucking takedown. Um, he was, he was really rocked, I guess, but, you know what I mean, it was not smart at all, and for that split second, Ortega caught him off guard and caught him with that uppercut right down the middle, um, Max needs to find that split second opening and land his high volume of combos when that happens, you know what I mean, Max really doesn't have the one punch KO power, but his thing is, he will pick you the fuck apart round by round, and, you know what I mean, get the TKO finish, around round three, between round three and five, you know what I mean, no doubt, um, number three and final key for Max, being the taller and lankier fighter, I think a very good idea would be to lock Frankie up in the clinch positions, and throw heavy knees right up the middle and elbows as well, if Max can get the clinch right around Frankie's neck and pull his head down and get the fucking knee right up the middle, Frankie could be fucked, you know what I mean, Easier said than done, you know what I mean, because Frank is a vet and he knows you know, his defense in every position is great, but, you know what I mean, when he got knocked out by uh, Ortega, that was kind of that was kind of in the clinch, you know what I mean, Frankie was trying to clinch and, you know, he got uppercutted in that fucking clinch, so if Max can, um, you know what I mean, utilize the clinch and use his, um, his length, that'd be fucking perfect and that could, uh, that could put Frankie in a lot of trouble, but like I said, a lot easier said than done, and, um, you know what I mean, he's always going to be on the move, so you have to lock it up, and you have to lock it up tight, but again, 
You know what I mean? It has to be in those split second moments that um that Max does that, and it, he when he does that, he needs to take full advantage of that shit. Um, but all in all, I um this will be a pretty high volume fight in general, and uh, it's going to be hard for me to see Max out volume Frankie, but I do see Max landing the harder and more significant strikes, and um you know what I mean that's what he needs to do. Um, but my final pick for this fight, I'm going Max via unanimous decision. I love Frankie, and I would love to see him win a belt, you know what I mean, before he retires and shit, but I just, I think this fight will be a little too much, you know, Max always seems to figure the opponent out after round one, and, uh, I see him figuring Edgar's movement out, and, uh, you know, is just able to time the better shots, you know, stuff to take downs and just control every aspect of the fight. Frankie will, um... He will be on the move all fight, you know what I mean? But I think Max will, like, end up luring him in and will be able to make him pay when he does get him to come in, you know what I mean? And um, just pretty much pick him apart with strikes, uh, you know, from the middle portion of the second round and on. But again, I would not mind at all if Frankie won, and he definitely can, but it's kind of hard for me to see it happening this fight, you know? Max is, um, he's the 145-pound king, you know what I mean? Uh... But if anyone can outvalue him, it's Frankie. You know what I mean? And that's what he's going to have to do to win. But I got Max via unanimous decision. All right. Um, yep, that was the uh, breakdown and preview for UFC 240. Um, we're going to go into a couple thing, a couple um, recent news, a couple recent news topics in uh, combat sports to end the show. Number one, um... <laughs> So, the UFC officially just made the um, main event for the September 28 card on ESPN+. I hate how they fucking take forever to fucking... <laughs> Anyways, it will be a five-round middleweight bout between Jared Cannonier taking on Jack Hermanson. Very great competitive fight. Uh, Jared Cannonier has looked like a fucking animal at middleweight. And Hermanson just got a huge upset win against Jacare Souza and just uh, just completely dominated him all fight. So um, I see this fight being very competitive. I'm not sure who I'd pick. I'm, I'll probably break it down, but mm, I like it. I like it. All right, number two. Uh, so this morning, UFC had uh, today's Friday. Um, Friday, July. Today's Friday, July 26th, and this morning... The UFC had uh, Alexander Volkanovsky weigh in as the emergency replacement if anything were to go wrong leading up to Frankie versus Max. <laughs> um, th but, you know, I mean, at, when I took these notes, this was early in the morning where I got the uh, notification. And um, right now it is 2.45 p.m. Both fighters, Max and Frankie, they both made weight. So, you know, the fight is good to go. But, um, you know, shout out to Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, being ready and being prepared, ready to go just in case, because like I said earlier, Frankie versus Max was supposed to happen like three times, you know, it's like, it's like the, uh, the feather, the featherweight version of Khabib versus Tony, <laughs> except Khabib versus Tony was supposed to happen like 34 times, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, shout out Alexander Volkanovsky, man. Uh, number three, the next UFC event is coming up, uh, next Saturday, the next one coming up is tomorrow, Max versus, um, Edgar, but, uh, the next one coming up is next week, and it will be on, uh, ESPN, it'll be, uh, UFC on ESPN 5, it is the Kobe Covington versus Robbie Lawler card, that's, uh, taking place in New Jersey, and 
I didn't even know this until I looked into to, I looked into it today. But the prelims start at 12 p.m. and the main card starts at three, so it's one of those early cards. But um, I can't fucking wait for it. Regardless, it gives me something to do on Saturday morning. <laughs> and um, you know, I will most definitely have a fucking preview and breakdown episode for that event by Wednesday or Thursday, guaranteed. I cannot slack, you know, over a week like I did this week. I'm making episodes, you know. Um, I will be back on the motherfucking grind just like when I first started. But, um, alright. <sighs> fucking, alright, we're gonna end with this. I, I hate, I fucking hate doing this as I did it in my last episode. And I don't hate it because, you know, I hate doing it in general. But I hate it because it really saddens me that this keeps happening. Um, in my last episode, I ended with a 10-second moment of silence for boxing legend Pernell Whitaker. And um, this past Saturday, we had two more bo- young boxers, very young boxers, pass away. Um, but these two passed away after their fights that they had that night. Pernell was uh, hit by a car when he passed. Um, rest in peace to him. But yeah, these two fighters, they died after their fight because of the injuries sustained, the uh, brain injuries. Um, of course, this fucking, this sucks, I fucking, two in the same night, that's fucking insane, man, and I was, I said, I was talking to someone the other day, he's talking about, like, the rarest thing to happen in combat sports is someone losing their life, but it is so rare that it's the saddest thing, you know what I mean, and it, it happened twice in one night, but, um, one, one was 28-year-old Maxim uh, Dadashev, and the other was 23-year-old Hugo Stantlin. Uh, Stantlin, sorry, my apologies on that. Um, of course, please send best wishes and prayers to the families and the spirits in general. Uh, I will once again end the show with a quick 10-second moment of silence. Uh, yeah, rest in peace to those two warriors. Um, this is Nabi Podcast. I'm your host, Sani Nabi. I will see you guys episode... Four, I think this is 14. <laughs> I will see you guys episode... Damn it, what episode is this? Hold on. I'm sorry. That was, that was fucking horrible. Alright, my bad. This is Nabi Podcast. I'm your host, Sani Nabi. And I will see you guys episode 14. I was right the first time. But right now... Also, I want to say rest in peace, actually. I actually had a um, a loss in the family. Not my personal family on my side, but my fiance's aunt uh, passed away on, um, Sunday, on Monday, Monday morning. Sorry, Tuesday morning. Ah, yeah. Um, a lot of, a lot of deaths, man. So, I'm gonna, um, we're gonna do a 10 seconds. Um, you know, moment of silence for all three of them. Rest in peace to all of them. Alright, guys. Um, you know, thank you to all who uh, tuned into this episode, made it to the end. And thank you to all who will, you know, do this quick 10 seconds moment of silence to remember all of them. Alright. Alright guys, uh, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys episode 14. Take care. Enjoy your week. Uh, weekend, it's Friday. Have a blessed weekend everybody, and um, 
Tell your family you love them, you know? You never fucking know. Alright, guys. I'll see you later. Take care.